I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, I'm Ryan Tannehill, quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, and I represent the Finsider with the PH. And the Finsider with a PH represents Ryan Tannehill. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Finsider Radio. My name is Keith. I'll be your host for the next 75 minutes. We have a very special show for you tonight. Uh, for one, we're on a new night, Wednesday. Uh, the reason for that is because we have a new co-host. SB Nation, who makes the show possible, asked for an official second-in-command on this program, I guess. Uh, so here he is. You know him from the Unsquish the Fish podcast. He's actually a good friend of mine. Please welcome Ron Caniff to the, sh- the program. Hi, Ron. Hey, man. How's it going? Welcome to the club. Thanks. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm excited to be here, honestly. I'm trying to make it sound like an exclusive club just, just to play it up, but we're happy to have you. Uh, it is great to have you on the show. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, a couple of things. we got a big show tonight. Uh, I want to announce, first off, uh, it went out on Twitter last week that we have um, we're part of that Dolphins partnership program now. Uh, they folded in the, the Finsiders, unfortunately, the FIN-siders. And uh, in return, they're doing a sort of uh, sponsorship program with a, a couple of podcasts. One of them's this one. So another one is uh, Fin Maniacs, which uh, our usual contributor, Lewis, uh, does that podcast. Uh, I don't know the other, I know NFL females, one of the, the other two, and I'm not sure the fourth, if anyone from that program is listening, I absolutely apologize. I didn't get the specifics on that. Uh, so we're going to be doing that. That means that uh, I think it's the beginning of every month. I know it starts the first week of May. Uh, we get to interview an NFL player and uh, we'll go ahead. We, we're not going to do it live. We're doing it live. Uh, we're not <laughs> do going to do that. Yeah, do it live. We're not going to do that. But what we're going to do is uh, we'll record it. Uh, I think I have to do them on like Tuesday, early afternoon, morning, early afternoon, somewhere around there. And then we'll go ahead and we'll play it during the show. So you won't be able to call in and talk to them. But I promise to I won't ask softball questions. I'll ask I'll actually take submissions from uh, our listeners and I'll bring them bring them on the show and uh, see what we can do. The other thing I want to mention uh, while we've got it going on is uh, I know it came out I, last week too. Last week was a busy time for uh, Dolphins, uh, the Finsider news. Um, I'm actually going to be at the NFL draft 
in Chicago a week from tomorrow night. Um, SB Nation, against their better judgment, decided to uh, give me dra- or press credentials for it. So I'm not really sure what I'm going to be doing there. Uh, I haven't heard anything since, so I'm not sure what my duties are there, but I've got a really obnoxious Dolphins coat that I plan on wearing. I mentioned this on a podcast I appeared on last night that uh, it's the Dolphins version of the coat that uh, Dennis Leary wears as the coach of the Cleveland Browns in draft day. So it's, it's kind of ugly. It looks like something a drug dealer would wear, but I, <laughs> I look forward to wearing it. It's cool though. Cause it's white. Uh, it's got some, some cool accents on it. I mean, like it's not so, it's not like I'm going to go down there wearing like uh Zubaz pants or anything, but that's what I, I plan on wearing there to represent. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to talk to players. I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm going to be there. And it's pretty exciting because uh, the whole gala they had going on all weekend of the draft last year was pretty incredible. I was down there on Friday night, just nearby uh, doing my friend's bachelor party. And it was, it was insanity, but it was a lot of fun. So now I get to actually be a part of that. So uh, if there's anything I can do, I, I plan on taking a lot of videos, I think, as long as, you know, Goodell doesn't send some sort of person to take away my phone. Uh, any, any sort of, uh, uh, dictator tactics like that i don't know but Wouldn't looking that be forward awesome, to it. Though, just to have that story to say yeah i was taking pictures but uh goodell took my phone yeah uh, <laughs> that'd be a good story one, to have one of the guys who calls into this show often and he he's a good friend of mine his name's zach i i retweet a lot of his stuff on twitter because he's you know, number one he's really intelligent when it comes to football and number two he's he's funny uh he's got this great story and he had the the picture to prove it where because uh, he uh, is from New Jersey, and he and his friend were in line for, I think it was the 2012 NFL draft, and Goodell walked by while they were in line, and they started heckling him. And I guess, like, Goodell turned toward him, and he was like, what is your problem with me? Come here. And they took a, they snapped a picture of him, like, beckoning toward the two of them while he was, like, getting ready to, like, start yelling at him. So they had this great shot of him, like, like it's like the the look before he's about to get fierce. Mm-hmm. It's like looking looking into the the mind of a a psychopath, but I, I thought that was uh he told me about that story and I was like well that's funny and then he showed me the picture and I was like well that's even better, so uh, normally uh, we bring Lewis on this show too I don't know where he's at uh, if he's able to participate and we hope to bring him on this show uh, we'll go ahead and, and do so he did his mock draft on his his podcast last night I only got to make one pick just because I had so much going on. Uh, I had the Saints pick, and he had a bunch of guys on his show I, I'd, I've i never met, I've never heard of, but they seem like nice enough guys, so it was cool to talk to them for a little bit. That's a lot of a lot of banter going on, but uh, pretty much what this all boils down to is we have a lot to get through tonight. At 8.30 p.m. Eastern, we'll visit with CBS Sports NFL writer uh, Chris Trapasso, uh to talk draft, speaking of the draft. Last week, it was the Titans trading with the Rams and out of the number one overall pick. And early this afternoon, the Browns traded with the Eagles and out of the number two overall pick. I've never seen anything like that. You always hear about how people don't want to trade into the the number one spot anymore. This year, you get number one and number two. And uh, Ron, I don't know if you saw the bounty for that uh, that Browns Eagles trade that came through today, but it's it's considerable. That I mean, I remember I saw that trade go through, and I was like, well, what did what does Philadelphia give up to, to get into that spot? Browns traded to Philadelphia, the number two overall pick and a fourth round pick in exchange for the number eight overall pick, 
third and fourth round picks this year, 2017 first round pick, 2018 second round pick. I make a lot of draft day jokes since I saw that movie for the first time a couple of weeks ago. That sounds like mm-hmm. a deal you would, you would have seen go through in that film. <laughs> it's insanity. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, I'm just surprised. It feels like this, these teams are like moving up. Like there's two Andrew Lux in the draft. I, I don't, I'm not sure I get it. I mean, I got it from the Rams a little bit moving to LA and winning a, new, you know, quarterback and uh, something exciting to go to with a team. I get that a little bit, even though I'm not sure it still made football sense. But uh, I don't know this one. I'm surprised about. And I wonder if when they were going up from 13 to 8 with the Dolphins, they they were hoping that would, you know, give them more ammunition, an 8 as opposed to a 13. Um, This was their plan all along from the beginning, even before the trade with the Dolphins. This is what they were kind of hoping to do. Or was it a reaction to the Rams trade because – they thought the Titans weren't drafting a quarterback, so maybe they could move up, uh, you know, to the Chargers spot and pay a little less. I'm curious about all that. Of course, you know, I have no inside knowledge or maybe we'll never know. I think it's a little bit of the former or a lot of the former and a little bit of the latter in that uh, you, you kept hearing how they, the Eagles thought that there were only eight blue chip type players in this draft. And that's why they wanted the Dolphins pick. Now, comes to light that they wanted that ammunition and it's a lot easier to trade up when you have a higher pick. So I, I saw a couple of uh, rumors today that they Philadelphia simply wanted to jump the Cowboys because they thought that that was, they thought Dallas was the team they needed to, to, to jump over to get the player they wanted. It ends up Cleveland is the team willing to move out after we've heard that the Chargers were the team most willing to move out. And I saw another rumor that the Chargers considered it. I don't know if Philadelphia moved up to eight with the intention of going to number two, but that's where they go. The It's going to be interesting. We'll talk more about this uh, with Chris when he uh, gives us a call in about 20 minutes. Um, the interesting, though, interesting thing, though, is the Eagles claim they want to keep Sam Bradford. So do you think this is a move for a future starting quarterback and they develop them? Or do you think the, the Eagles or the Eagles, as I like to call them, because that's how their fans pronounce that name. You think the Eagles have a trick up their sleeve here? I, I'm not really sure. I, I thought that the trade initially Bradford for Foles, it was, was a little strange. It's not something we see before to begin with, but that was more of a Chip Kelly move. So now we got to kind of think out of the Chip Kelly mold i'm not really sure honestly what their thought was all i know is moving to three wouldn't have really made sense because then what if cleveland takes a cornerback now that you know the rams are going to take one they had to either move in with cleveland or just forget it honestly unless they waited till after the cleveland pick and say they took tunzel or ramsey then maybe go to the chargers with a deal but i mean a deal this big is that something you want to really be negotiating in a 15 minute period so, I mean, I think they had to go up to number two to get a quarterback. And I, I would imagine it's their quarterback of the near future, at least. I mean, keeping Bradford, yeah, that's fine. But maybe for a year. And is he going to want to stick around? He's probably going to be disgruntled now. He's going to probably demand a trade anytime. He's going to demand a trade. And, you know, what happens with the Browns? You know, because, I mean, is this is this a, a move in support of Robert Griffin? which I mean, and they just think that they can just get protection for him with that number eight pick. Cause I don't, I don't look at that guy as a franchise passer right now. And I think he's talented, but I don't think that he can stay healthy. 
Yeah, I agree. But I don't, I think the Browns probably like one guy and perhaps that one guy was the guy that Rams are most likely to take in Wentz and they weren't got, they weren't big on golf. So once the draft happened, once the uh, trade happened with the Rams and the Titans, they're like, okay, well, we thought we were going to get Wentz when the Titans were there and we knew they weren't drafting a quarterback. So we had our choice. Now, if it's going to be golf, I guess I'll take this deal. You know, it could be that. And it could be, might, maybe they like a guy, maybe they like uh, Lynch or something like that. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I think you're, I think you're, you're right on there. I think the, the Titans might've screwed them a little bit. You think about it, though, the Rams have everything but a quarterback. I mean, that's a good roster. When you look at those guys on paper, that is an impressive team. And then you watch them play. And I mean, they, they're not, I mean, they were competitive a little bit uh, a few years ago, but still, I mean, there's not anything you see in there where you're like, oh yeah, that, that team is, is something to really look out for. And I mean, quarterbacks been their biggest issue. So, I mean, they get the guy they want now. And I've seen, I mean, they're, you're, you're seeing conflicting reports here. I know that a lot of people claim it's absolutely went. A lot of people claim that the Rams really like Goff. Jeff Fisher claims he's a defense guy, which I, everyone immediately pointed toward Jalen Ramsey. I think it's going to be Wentz. I think they want that big arm passer. Uh, they're looking to fill the Coliseum while their place is getting built over in Inglewood. So, I mean, in the Coliseum, like a thousand people. I mean, I don't know if our listeners have ever seen that place, but it is freaking massive, that joint. So, I mean, I don't know. But I this sure adds a lot of drama uh, and could push up some players toward the Dolphins that they might not otherwise have a chance at drafting. But now that you got the Browns trading back and you, they're not taking a quarterback, uh, you think, unless they really like a Paxton Lynch and they're going to surprise everyone at that spot, or if they – they just go with a Connor Cook, or they just trade him to the the twenty second pick, and they did, uh, you know, like Johnny Manziel, and uh, and Whedon. So I don't know. Um, I, I'm kind of thinking now that it looks almost guaranteed that the top two quarterbacks are going one two, which sure. when the when this first started, and there were no trades, not even the Rams trade yet. We didn't know that. We figured the Browns were probably going to take a quarterback, but we didn't even know that for sure. And then when would they fall? Now that it looks like they're going one, two, it seems like there's one guy left Lynch and the, any team that likes him, whoever that might be, if it's anybody, any team that really likes him, like the way Buffalo liked, um, what was it? EJ Manuel or the way yeah. Minnesota liked ponder, meaning liking a guy that isn't worth the pick you're about to draft him at is the example <laughs> I'm trying to find here. Um, it means they're going to be scared that maybe just one other team really likes them too. And I think it gives a good chance or a chance that somebody jumps in ahead of Miami somewhere between three and 12 to grab Lynch. And that is great news for Miami. Now the Dolphins fans don't, a lot of Dolphins fans don't want me here to say this, but I'm also hoping at the same time, uh, Ezekiel Elliott gets drafted before Miami. And not that I don't like him. If that's the pick for Miami, that's fine. He's a good player, but I really would like to see us focus on defense so if you could have three quarterbacks and Zeke go before Miami's pick, you really got a chance of picking a much better defensive player uh, when it comes to us at 13. It'd be pretty much a no-brainer, whoever that is, once it gets to us. Then maybe Vernon Hargraves falls to us or something like that. That's kind of what I'm hoping, but I know it's going to annoy some Dolphins fans because a lot of them really want Zeke, and it's not that I don't like them. I just like some other defensive players in, you know, in the top 10 a lot more. I, mean, I like Zeke. He's in my top five, but I mean, he's, 
he's not a guy where I absolutely have to have him at 13. So, um, and, and you're absolutely right in that, I mean, this makes it more likely that Paxton Lynch goes in the top 10. And I mean, if you want to make the, the comparison, I mean, you got a Ryan Tannehill thing going on here where, I mean, those quarterbacks go boom, boom, one, two. And then it's like, well, where does that third guy fall? And because, I mean, you've got uh, a lot of, it's pretty much wide open in certain places outside of maybe the 49ers. And I don't think that Paxton Lynch is a Chip Kelly guy. So I would, I wouldn't look to them. Uh, Cleveland could surprise, especially because, I mean, they could use a development, a developmental guy, you know, they have Robert Griffin. So maybe they feel like they're set this year. If that's the case, then Paxton Lynch makes sense for them. And maybe they try, I don't know. Anything could happen. I mean, that's the, I've tried to, I've done a couple of mock drafts this year. And it's always just, it's really wide open, especially after you get past, say, pick pick six. I think with Baltimore at six, that's when things really get hairy. And you think like, well, what are the 49ers going to do? Are they going to do the Chip Kelly thing and just take Oregon players? And if so, it's got to be DeForest Buckner, you're thinking. Uh, we'll go to the phones. Lewis, is this you? Yes, sir. What did you think when you saw that deal go through today? I mean, that's that's a big one. I mean, last last week's deal uh, was, was off the charts in terms of, uh, of just how it shocked Twitter. But I mean, this one really caught me by surprise. It's one thing to see the number one pick go, but number two as well in the, in the, in the same week insanity. What did you think? I think Cleveland got away like bandits. First of all, second of all, I think that uh, the fact that one and two went so so readily, it tells me that nobody really sees talent around there that's, so that's they're so desperate to get their hands on that they're willing to stay at number two. It looks like that they're willing to take advantage of people's needs for quarterbacks. They're taking advantage of the uh, the constant storm that is, oh, my God, we need a quarterback. Without a franchise quarterback, we're screwed. And so since everybody's hyping up the whole Carson Wentz, Jared Goff thing, teams are taking advantage of what they've got and saying, oh, you want your quarterback? Well, what are you willing to give us to, for this pick? And then people are giving them the farm and then some. So if nothing else, Good for Cleveland. You made out like bandits, and the Eagles better pray that Jared Goff works out because if not, they're going to look really, really stupid. <laughs> so, I mean, you think it's a foregone con- conclusion then that they're going for Jared Goff? Well, why else would you trade up from eight to two if you weren't worried about getting your franchise guy? I'm not looking at I, any. I'm not looking at anybody off of the Eagles that they absolutely had to trade up the number two to get their guy. Other than like who who are the elite guys in this draft? There are only a few. Like you have Jalen Ramsey, you have Laramie Tunsil, uh, maybe Miles Jack, Ezekiel Elliott, who I don't think is going to be looked at as a number a top five pick. I absolutely do not think so. Other than that, uh, quarterback. End of discussion. Yeah, I think that uh, Jalen Ramsey is is uh, got such a hype going right now that I think he should at least be considered. But I bring that up more just for conversational fodder because it's just intriguing that I mean you've got you've got a lot of people divided on whether they like Carson Wentz and whether they like Jared Goff, and then like Ron just brought up the fact that I mean last year those two teams were locked into those picks meaning uh tampa and tennessee this year you've got two teams that traded up for these these guys and it's not considered as impressive uh a class in terms of quarterbacks so i mean i guess that's that's irony if you if you want to look at it that way i don't know but um the other thing i want to go ahead and uh discuss real quick is uh josh norman you want to talk about a, a day full of surprises the panthers rescind 
his uh, franchise tag. He's now a free agent. And, I mean, Dolphins Twitter lit up like wildfire within a minute of that news coming through, which Heck makes yeah. sense. Yeah. I mean, you saw it too. Were you on there at that point? Oh, yeah, I was when it happened. I don't know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh, uh, it was like a dry brush fire. It just it went nuts. And, I mean, and understandably so. He, that guy would be a knockout in Vance Joseph's scheme, no doubt. So, and I mean, it's something where, I mean, you're talking free agent. Now you're, you're back to the, having that conversation of does Mike Tannenbaum want to spend money on this guy? Cause I mean, we just got done talking about that with several players, you know, the past, the past uh, five weeks. So, I mean, I don't know, I'm but go ahead. I'm, I'm going to look at it like this. If Mike Tannenbaum was willing to pay people like Trumaine Johnson, Pac-Man Jones, then I can't imagine he's not at least exploring the possibility of seeing what he can do for Josh Norman, who's probably one of the best corners in the league right now. Although I do have a question for you. Somebody brought this up, and they said that they're not sure why everybody keeps saying it's going to be a zone scheme when Vance Joseph said that it's going to be man press. I don't remember if he said that or not, and I'm actually looking for some confirmation on that. If you watch his, uh, his press conference, he says specifically that there are going to be a lot of zone there's going to be a lot of zone coverage in his scheme. So, well, I mean, it's, it's not, right. I, you can mix in man press. I mean, you have to do both. You can't, it's not exclusive and it's not binary, but I mean, you got to, you got to mix in your looks. I mean, if you just go with a straight co- uh, zone coverage, look against like new England, for example, I mean, Tom Brady's going to murder you. I mean, look at the Chicago bears, the Chicago bears were trying to mix in so many zone coverages with their cover two against uh Aaron Rodgers, and he just murdered them. Then Vic Fangio comes in. He's primarily a, a man coverage guy. And all of a sudden, I mean, it's back to, like, the kind of coverages that uh, Vic Fangio was running in San Francisco. Aaron Rodgers struggles against Vic Fangio's man coverage scheme, but he's able to mix in his looks. So, I mean, you're mixing there. Now, if you're talking about, like, a, a guy who makes sense as a primary uh, man coverage corner, like a Mackenzie Alexander – I keep seeing him mock to the Dolphins. Anything could happen. I won't, I won't rule it out, but it seems I have a hard time believing that you can put Byron Maxwell and Mackenzie Alexander in the same uh, perimeter d- defensive scheme. I don't buy that. So, I mean, anything could happen. Maybe they see something in these guys that I don't. They make far more money than I do, and they know far more than I do. So, um, we'll actually uh, – um, just lost our caller. Call back if you can. Uh, so it's, I don't know what's going to happen, but um, I remember during Vance Joseph's uh, introductory press conference that he brought up that, yeah, they're going to do a lot of zone, zone coverage. And I think Adam Gase also echoed that sentiment. Okay. So that won't be a problem then because what I've, what um, it was Ian Wharton, I think he did his cornerback uh, chart and he said that when Josh Norman was asked to be in, in press, it wasn't a pretty sight. He was much better in the zone scheme. So that's why I was concerned. Yeah. Um, actually, uh, coming up, we'll visit with uh, CBS Sports Chris Trapasso, and we'll also chat with Finsider Insider Matthew Kanata. I forgot that he's going to stop by at uh, 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, he'll go ahead and share that you know there is a lot going on with uh, Dolphins news and rumors. We're eight days from that draft, so uh, you are listening to SB Nation's uh, Finsider Radio. We'll be right back. All right. 
So we were just talking about Josh Norman, uh, and you mentioned this uh, this quarterback chart. So, Lewis, I didn't get a, a chance to take a look at that, but could you maybe go a little more in-depth about his – I mean, he mentioned Josh Norman in, like, a, a press coverage, which I would agree that's not really something I want to see. But I mean, what was the gist of this this whole chart you, you just mentioned? Well, Ian Wharton um, from the Bleacher Report is real good. Uh, he's a friend of mine. He's been working with uh, Bleacher Report for a while now, and he's well known for his analytical mind. I didn't get a chance to look at the chart in depth, but what I read from his tweets essentially said that Josh Norman in man press was not a pretty picture. It was He was much better suited in his own scheme, and that's why when I saw somebody else mention that, oh, well, Vance Joseph is talking about a man press scheme, it's like, uh, okay, so wait, do I really want Josh Norman? That's why when you said, well, Vance Joseph said zone specifically and reconfirmed what my original thought was, then I was much more I was much more excited about the idea of, Josh Norman, because Josh Norman, apparently, according to Ian, I don't know if other people would disagree with this. According to Ian, Josh Norman in man man press coverage is not the best thing you want to see. In zone coverage, however, that's another story. Yeah, I think Josh Norman would work really well in the kind of defense, defensive uh, perimeter scheme that Vance Joseph has alluded to. Has I don't want to say outlined because it's not like he went in depth, but they asked him about it and he said, yeah, there's going to be a lot of zone looks. So, I mean, that would be something to, I would expect. Uh, But, I mean, it's also something, I mean, you're talking now about Adam Gase and this crew, and they're talking about playing to their players' strengths. So, I I don't think you're going to get a situation where they they spend money, like if Josh Norman came in, they spent, you know, a pretty penny on this guy. It's not like they're going to look at him and be like, you know what, you even though you don't really uh, match up well in uh, press man, we're going to use you in that scheme because we can I mean, we've seen that in Miami before, so it's easy to feel that way. I mean, the previous regime, I mean, made a living on doing that. You know, whether it was uh, Sean Smith. You know, Sean Smith, you look like a uh, a guy who should be playing some some zone corner. When I mean, the definition of press man is pretty much Sean Smith, and we knew it. And we don't make any money to to watch this team. And these guys were making millions to to coach these guys up, and it just it ended in tears. It was terrible. And then Sean Smith went to Kansas City and had success, and people were like, "Well, what the hell? Why didn't he do that here?" Because you know how to use them. So I mean, that's that's what happens. And now you've got this this new crew in here. I've heard nothing but really good things about Adam Gase and Ron. One thing I want to ask you before we're, we're about five minutes out from our first guest, uh, <laughs> you've been I wouldn't say. Uh, hesitant, but you've just said like, you know, I'll take in the Adam Gase news and, you know, I like him, seems like a good guy. I just want to see how, how this, this comes together over the next couple of weeks. You were the guy who was like, you know, let's wait and see. So at this point, we're a couple of months in just based on what you've heard, what you've read, what's your current take on, on Adam Gase and, you know, his staff in Miami. I I have come to the conclusion or form the opinion that the Dolphins organization seem to really like him. And the players seem to genuinely like him and respect him. It's just just based off what we've heard, just the answers to many of the questions that they get. Of course, they're not going to ever say, well, I can't stand this guy. He's horrible. You're not going to hear that. But they just seem to have a genuine like and respect for Adam Gase right off the bat. There seems to be that around the league as well, much more than there was for Philbin or Tony Sperano or a few of the others that we've had. Um, So for that, I can say the organization really feels and are acting as and making moves as they have their man long-term. As far as my thoughts on it, I've just, I've been burned so many times as a Dolphins fan. I'm hesitant to 
put my heart into it yet <laughs> and put my emotion into it yet until I see what happens on the field. And I know based off the schedule that was released, and I know we hadn't even talked about that yet, it's going to be a rough go at first. And I'm, I have no intention on blaming that on Gase and saying, see, I told you, you can't, can't trust it till it happens. I don't, I'm not going to be that way. Even if we have a rough first year, I really sure. just kind of want to see what the team looks like. I'm going to maybe even ignore this first year's record. Cause I know we got a lot of holes on defense. There's still questions about Tannehill. Tannehill may not be Gase's guy when it's all said and done, although I know he's going to put a lot of work into him. Mm-hmm. And uh, the schedule's rough, especially at the beginning. So I won't base it off record, but I just want to see what the product looks like on the field. Do they look like a real football team? Because there was times last year they didn't even really look like an NFL football team. So I'm just really going to base, this off, base it off that, but I'm not getting super emotional saying Gase is the guy we're going to the Super Bowl because of Gase. I just I cannot do that again. Lewis, you're a wait-and-see guy, too, with Gase. How are you feeling about him right now? Feeling the same, wait-and-see. I haven't seen Gase do anything on the field. I haven't seen any schemes in action. I haven't seen anything happen yet. So until I see that happen, like, I'm going to be watching very closely. And seeing... Hello? Hello? I think we lost him. Oh, he's back. Hello? Yeah, sorry, we lost you for a second. I just heard the unmuted sound, so. Okay, well, um, let, me repeat, let me repeat all that. Block, block Talk Radio just hates you, evidently. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> all right, so, again, like, like, I was, uh, like I was saying to myself, apparently, um, I'm still in a wait-and-see mode. I've yet to see Adam Gase do anything other than just talk a little bit. I've yet to see any schemes in action. I've yet to see the players on the field. All I've seen is a little bit here and there of these players off the field. I've, I've talked to, I talked to Zach Vigil in the interview. He seems happy about Adam Gase. He seemed to like what, the, what was happening. He seems to like the direction their things are going in. But until I see something on the field, then I can't make a judgment. I'm still in wait-and-see mode. I am not going to be happy. I am not going to be sad. I am just going to watch and wait and see what happens. I can't do anything else, not in good conscience, because until training camp comes around and I actually get to watch these guys in action, I can't make a judgment. Works for me. Um, and with that, we'll go ahead to our, uh, our first guest of the night. Uh, he's an NFL writer for CBS Sports and an editor for NFL.com. He's also a leading analyst regarding the NFL draft. I'm a big fan of his work. Uh, please welcome Chris Trapasso to the program. Chris, great to have you. What's up? Not much, guys, or I guess a lot is going on um, in the entire NFL right now, but it's, it's you know only one week away from the draft, and it's not totally surprising that we're seeing a ton of stuff going on right now. What did you think when that, that big deal came through uh, just uh, early afternoon today with the Browns and Eagles? Well, I'm just a major advocate or much more of an advocate of trading down than trading up. Um, I certainly understand that it's a quarterback-driven league and you have to have a good quarterback, um, and that really trumps all. Um, It can mask a lot of team flaws, but just especially because when the trade came down, um, I'm pretty sure the Eagles' official Twitter account was was really what kind of broke the news. and they showed what they had given up. It just was kind of shaking my head. Um, similar, 
to what I kind of felt um, and how I kind of reacted after the Titans-Rams trade, um, especially because I think Jared Goff is a pretty good quarterback prospect. I think he has a pretty good chance to be a good quarterback. I'm not at all sold on Carson Wentz and just knowing that one of these two teams is going to get Carson Wentz, who I just think has a lot of development. I'm not sure if he ever can be good in in certain areas that uh, I think franchise quarterbacks have to be good in. Uh, and then you throw on top of it all these, you know, future picks that are now gone that are early picks. Uh, I just did not really like the move for the Eagles. Uh, and I think the Browns did the perfect thing for a team that is really at the first floor, the ground floor of the rebuilding process. Brown's doing a lot of non-Brown things right now. And I think maybe that just has caught a couple of people off guard, but I'm not going to say they fleece the Eagles because if the Eagles get the guy they want, then, I mean, yeah, they they give up a lot to do it, but fine. I'm not an Eagles fan. I'm not going to sweat those picks. But Brown's really set themselves up for the future here. I mean, they get multiple – they're going to be extremely busy uh, day two and day three this year. And then draft night next year, they get an extra first-round pick, which – I mean, depending on what Philadelphia does in year one in their new system, I mean, you could be talking a, a, another top 10 pick here. Yeah, and I think that's really huge, and I tweeted it right away, um, that, that 2018 second-round pick, I mean, really with how quickly we've seen some coaches, GMs, quarterbacks kind of get let go in just today's kind of instant gratification NFL we'll be thinking of that pick or we could be thinking of that pick, especially if, if whichever quarterback the Eagles uh, pick at two doesn't pan out, we could be wondering like, Hey, where did the Browns get this pick from? Oh yeah. That was that Carson Wentz trade like two years ago. Uh, and I think that was a uh, really nice kind of like luxury throw in um, that the Browns were able to get a, a second round pick in 2018, because I don't think the Browns are going to be good this year. They might be a little better in 2017 if they draft. Okay. Uh, and I really think that this team is trying to build itself to be a team like what we saw with the Raiders and the Jaguars this year, that they got a new GM, um, new coach. They didn't, they had a really barren roster. Uh, they didn't sign a lot of their veteran free agents. They got a ton of cap room. They certainly drafted well. And that's one thing that the Browns haven't done in a long time, but they drafted well. And then they went in, you know, two, three years later into the free agency period with a lot of young talent and a ton of money, so they were able to spend um, on the big free agents. So I think the Browns are doing it right, and that 2018 second-round pick I think was huge. One thing I wanted to ask you about, because I saw you recently posted your your 2016 NFL draft rankings. Is that a final uh, mock-up, or are you going to do one more before next Thursday? No, that's, that's probably it. There's a few little tweaks here and there, but there's not going to be any – huge changes to it i i just kind of look it over um every couple hours every couple days just to kind of make sure that everything looks good but yeah no like there won't be any other uh kind of changes to it so can you talk a little bit about some guys at the at the top of your list because i mean you just mentioned you're not a big fan of carson wentz a lot i think i mean you've seen some lists uh, or some rankings where he's not anywhere in the top five you've seen other ones that have him number one so how does your top five, top ten uh, look? Sure, yeah. Um, I think with Carson Wentz, I'm not, I'm not saying that I think he 
is a horrible quarterback prospect. I think if you really go back uh, and and kind of look at what a lot of draft guys were saying um, two, three, four months ago that you know he's a guy from a small school with a big arm that he'd be a good late first, probably a second round pick that you could develop. And I think just the media kind of firestorm has really bumped him up. And we've seen it with a lot of quarterbacks over the last three or four or five years. Like I'm kind of thinking that this class um, or how this draft turns out could kind of be like 2011 when we saw, you know, Blaine Gabbert go way earlier than he should have. Jake Locker, Christian Ponder. Um, I don't think Carson Wentz is is worse than any of those guys or comparable. But I think just with the quarterback being such a premium position, um, I think he's just really gotten bumped up for there to almost be you know that competition for the top quarterback spot. When I think when you just watch Jared Goff and what he's able to do reading the whole field, um, making a lot of anticipation throws. He's accurate at all levels. When Carson Wentz is kind of a one-read kind of guy um, who certainly has a big arm, but he's not that great down the field. Um, He tries to move in the pocket, but for being so athletic, he's uh, kind of – he's kind of like he has cinder blocks on his feet um, when he tries to move in the pocket, and I think that's a little bit of an issue – um, so, yeah, he's definitely not in my top five. I have him more as a second or third round prospect. Um, my top five goes Jalen Ramsey, Miles Jack. I think those are the two cleanest prospects in terms of just what they can do on the field because they're so athletic and they produced. And I think, um, you know, usually really, really good athletes that that produced um, against top, top competition uh, in college usually end up being good players. Um, then I have Joey Bosa out of Ohio State at three. I think he's going to be a really good pro. I don't know if he's ever going to be a 12 to 17 sack guy, but I think he's going to be a versatile kind of a Cam Jordan kind of guy. Then I have Sheldon Rankins out of Louisville. I think he can really do whatever you want with him on your defensive line. Uh, and this is probably kind of a, a surprising pick, um, but I actually have Ronnie Stanley one spot ahead of Laramie Tunsil. Um, and I promise that. And I promise that's not me trying to be different and, and like really stick out or anything. I just think <laughs> that Ronnie Stanley um, is, is a little bit ahead of Tunsil in terms of what he does as a pass protector. It may not always be the prettiest, but really as a pass protector, he is really, really good and ready to come in and be a left tackle today. I think, um, I don't think Tunsil is a bad pass protector. I think he's just stronger as a run game guy at this point. And I think it's a little, it's, it, it's kind of easy to just get enamored with his athleticism and how quick his feet are and what you could get from him in year two, year three, year four. But I think Ronnie Stanley is pretty athletic in his own right. Um, and, and he just operated out of a, you know, old school pro style offense at, um, Notre Dame and I just think that he he's got longer arms I just think he's slightly uh, more equipped or, or, or better tailored in terms of a skill uh, set um, for today's passing game um, that we've seen in like you know in the NFL it's just so prevalent now so those are my top five the rest of the top ten Tunsil, Shaq Lawson, William Jackson out of Houston the cornerback I think he's got really good ball skills he's got pretty much everything NFL cornerbacks need today. Cody White here out of Kansas State. I think he's a Marshall Yanda kind of just stud guard. You could play him at 
at right tackle in a pinch. Um, and then Mackenzie Alexander, the cornerback out of Clemson, uh, is my is my number 10 guy. I know there's been some issues about him off the field, um, but I obviously don't know anything about that. Just on the field, I think he's really good. And I think Vernon Hargraves is right behind him. So, there's three cornerback. There's three cornerbacks in my top eleven, and I know that cornerback uh, is is a pretty big need for the Dolphins at this point. It indeed is that I love Ronnie Stanley, so you don't have to sell me on that. Um, I think that the offensive linemen that have come out of uh, Brian Kelly's system have been really good. Um, example mm-hmm. A is Zach, Zach Martin. Uh, Nick Martin's going to come out and I think going to be a really good interior lineman. So. Uh, d- definitely don't have to sell me on that. I did throw up in my mouth when you mentioned Blaine Gabbert. I could never get over the fact that that guy looked like Randall from Clerks. So <laughs> that killed me for him. And then, I don't know. It just, I mean, I actually kind of felt bad for him and Jags fans because they thought they were getting a really good guy. And outside of that bowl game against Iowa, his uh, last year at Missouri, I just never really thought much of the guy. So that was unfortunate. Uh, a couple of things I want to ask you. Uh, who who is your favorite NFL team? Um, I have, I am born and raised from Western New York, so I guess you could tell oh, no. say that I'm a Bills guy. Yeah, uh, but I have no problem. But I have no problem coming on any uh, Dolphins, Patriots, or Jets podcast and 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 trying to give my professional um, evaluation of <laughs> the entire draft or the Dolphins or the entire AFC East or obviously um, you know anything with the Bills as well. Uh, I brought a mole on the Finsider Radio show, like the new and improved <laughs> Finsider Radio. Uh, no, I'm just I'm just kidding. We're we're glad to have you. Uh, so I have a couple more questions, and then uh, can open it up for some uh, foreign topics. I've got a new co-host, Ron, and uh, Lewis is with me as well. These are my my usual guys. Uh, first off, I'm just gonna mention a couple of teams in the top 13, and you tell me. Well, actually, for, let me preface this whole conversation with. My favorite prospect in this draft, just because I like to be a draft hipster, when you mentioned uh, that you had Stanley ahead of uh, Laramie Tunsil, and I was like, we don't think you're a draft hipster for that. I get it. You like one guy more than the other. Uh, my favorite guy in this draft is Jack Conklin. And am I, am I wrong for feeling that way? I don't think you're wrong for feeling that way. Um, I don't have him as my favorite player. I think he's more of a late first, early second round guy, but I can totally – understand why you and why a lot of others um, see him as a, a top tier prospect. Um, I think with him, it's important uh, that he's gotten better every year at, at Michigan state. He was a, a former walk on there. Um, I just think that he needs to be a little better as a pass protector. And obviously that's mm-hmm. what I kind of value in, in offensive linemen, especially tackles. Obviously, just with the NFL, that what I think teams are throwing about 65 to 70 percent of the time now. Um, but he's certainly in the run game. He's NFL ready. Um, he's got the length, the strength. He 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 played, you know, in a pretty um, rough and tumble uh, Big Ten for four years. I think he's a really good prospect. I don't know if he's an elite guy, but certainly uh, if if a team thinks that he can be either a right tackle, left tackle, or even in at guard and be really good there and just control the interior. Um, and he would really make any team's run game better right away. I just think there's a little projection with him in terms of his balance and what he's able to do as a pass protector. And that would probably be my only 
kind of ding on him is that um, he's not, or he might need a little bit of development when it comes to the pass protection. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't disagree with that. Uh, I like the meanness. Uh, I talked mo- multiple times on this show, probably ad nauseum for some of the people who listen, but he won me over for good during that Sugar Bowl game when Alabama threw every pass rusher they had at him. And Alabama's or Michigan State was terrible in that game outside of Jack Conklin just manhandled everyone they uh, they threw at him. And he played into the fourth quarter when that team, they were getting their ass beat. So that kind of won me over a lot because I was like, okay, this guy's this guy's going to continue competing. He's still he's still playing through the whistle, even though his team's losing by like four touchdowns at this point. So I was a big fan of that, um, and I want to segue that into I'm just going to name teams in the top thirteen, and you tell me the player you think most likely ends up at that spot. So a little bit of like abstract projection, if you will. You want to do that? Okay, sure. Okay, let's uh. Let's get uh, ridiculous with this. So um, we've already talked about the top two picks. Uh, in light of what's going on right now, who do you think the Cowboys draft? I just tweeted it out earlier tonight. One who's interesting to me that hasn't been really talked about a lot, and maybe this is me trying to be kind of a drip, draft hipster a little bit. Um, <laughs> I think Shaq Lawson could make a lot of sense. I think there's that group of Jalen Ramsey, Laramie Tunsil, uh, Miles Jack, even Joey Bosa, that that kind of seem to be at the top of most people's boards. Um, I think Shaq Lawson is a really good four three, um, and I think he has a little bit more bend and a little bit more quickness around the edge. That I think Scott Scott Linehan would probably prefer that over Joey Bosa. In that, I don't think Joey Bosa can't ever bend the edge, but I think he's more of a first down. You're playing him at end in a four three. In nickel, you're playing him inside and kind of letting him use his hands to, to kind of beat up guards, where I think Lawson is just a straight-up 4-3 defensive end that can do a lot, can be good against the run, can use his hands, but also has a little bit more bend. Um, so it wouldn't be surprising to me if either Joey Bosa or even Shaq Lawson end up with the Cowboys. Baltimore at six. I think that's got to be either Jalen Ramsey or whichever tackle is there. Uh, mm-hmm. I think they're a team that obviously is coming off a weird season with all the injuries, and I think they're a lot better than being 4-12. and 12. Um, But I think their secondary needs help, and I think if Ramsey's there, they would love that. But I think if Larry Tunsil or Ronnie Stanley um, was there, uh, I think that would be huge too because Joe Flacco's getting up there in age. They want to have a good run game for him. Um, so I think – It'll either be Ramsey or Tunsil or Ronnie or Ronnie Stanley. Here comes the curveball. Cleveland at eight. I have man, I have no clue. They're such a wild card, especially with this new analytics driven front office. Um I don't think Paxton Lynch is totally out of the question. I think he would be considered a reach by a lot of people, but the fact that they just got a ton of draft picks, um, to move back six spots, I think that could kind of justify it a little bit. Um, I think Hugh Jackson would probably be kind of pushing for some kind of quarterback that he can that he can kind of start to work with in Cleveland. Um, but if it's not Paxton Lynch, I really think it will be just the best player available, whether that's Miles Jack if he falls with some of the knee concerns. Um, I don't think they'll take Jalen Ramsey. I think a team that's that's kind of at the ground floor of the rebuilding process is not going to take a safety in the top 10. Um, so I think miles Jack could make sense, but, but don't, 
be surprised if it's Paxton Lynch just because they they would like to kind of groom him under RG3 and maybe start him in 2017. All right. I've got two more, and then we'll open it up for a quick panel, and then we've got our whole quick hits portion where we're just going to ask you really annoying questions, and you can just give us quick responses <laughs> to them. Uh, Chicago at 11. Chicago is very interesting because they've done a lot in the last two off seasons. Um, they were kind of been in kind of like a purgatory. They've had Jay Cutler. He hasn't really coming off his best season under Dolphins new head coach, Adam Gase. Um, I think they will continue um, to give, give Jay Cutler some kind of weapons, whether that's the Quan Treadwell um, or if that's Josh Doxson or Corey Coleman, it's kind of hard to decide or, or uh, think of which receiver they would maybe like the most. But I think you have Elshon Jeffrey there, and then you just lost Mar- Martellus Bennett. Um, who can he throw to? I think they want to still get what they can out of Jay Cutler. So I would think that that could be one of the first times that we see one of the uh, wide receivers uh, be taken. Very interesting. And last but not least, the Miami Dolphins at number 13. Well, I think, and you guys can certainly tell me if I'm totally wrong here, I think if Ezekiel Elliott is there, um, I think the Dolphins will run that pick up to the podium, as they say, just because we've seen, uh, you know, this offseason, how really into the, just the running back spot the Dolphins were. They didn't get T.J. Anderson. I thought they were going to. Um, I Actually, last year, uh, Jay Ajayi was one of my favorite uh, running backs in the class. Um, I think he's a really good talent. I know he's had some knee issues, but I think when he played last year, he was a pretty good running back. Um, they lost, um, obviously, their top runner in Miller. I think that they would have liked to sign a veteran, but I think Ezekiel Elliott is a, is pretty much a veteran in terms of what he can bring to the table right away. He, there's no transition with him. Um, but if, if he's gone, which we weren't really sure about Todd Gurley last year, then he went in the top 10. If he's gone, I think William Jackson out of Houston um, is the guy that checks the most boxes at, at the cornerback spot. Uh, he doesn't have super long arms, but he's six foot, about 190 something pounds. He led the NTAA in passes defense last year. Um, really quick twitch athlete. I think he has everything that all the other top cornerbacks have, but he just had more production as last year, and he's a little bit taller. Um, and I think that would really give the Dolphins a, a true number one cornerback going into the season. Yeah. Uh, we, we'll open it up to a panel for a couple of minutes. Is there anything you guys want to ask, Chris? Yeah, I got a question. Sure, uh, we're around. Definitely on Sheldon Rankins, you said he can pretty much do anything you need him to do on the defensive line. I mean, are we talking even playing defensive end, pass rush? Because I think there's a great chance that Rankins could be there at 13 just based off what I've seen on a lot of mocks. I could be wrong on that. What's your what's your thoughts on that and maybe Rankins uh, to Miami? Yeah, I mean, I don't think if you draft him, especially in the first round, which I'm, you know, it seems like he's a, a lock to go in the first round, if not the top 15, like you said. You're not going to draft him and and put him on the edge in in a four three that often. What I meant by that was that I think you can have him be a nose tackle. I think he's strong enough to to kind of eat some double teams sometimes. I think he's probably best as a three technique that's just one gapping up the field. But I think he has good hand uh, use and good read and reactability that that 
he can two uh, he can two gap and he can free up a guy like Sue to really just be getting after the quarterback. I don't think the Dolphins at this point would probably want to invest that early in the defensive line. Um, I think Jordan Phillips is going to be a really good player. I was really high on him last year, and I think he can kind of be that block-eating nose tackle to really free up Sue. But, yeah, I think Rankins can can kind of do all the assignments that you would want from a defensive tackle, although he he obviously is is going to primarily be an inside guy. Lewis? Okay, now I have a question. Go for it. Yeah, I have a question. Um, the whole quarterback situation with the Miami Dolphins, but we all know that it's been it's been an influx thing for the fan base. Do we like Tannehill? Do we hate Tannehill? Do we want Tannehill to be the franchise guy? Do we want Tannehill to go die in a hole? The, uh, the situation changes from uh, day to day. So my question to you would be, if Miami were to pick, were to draft a developmental quarterback, who would it be, and what round would you want to get him? That's a really good question. Um, there's a bunch of guys late that I think are pretty interesting. They're not guys that I, you know, think, hey, this guy could go in the sixth round and he's going to be the next Tom Brady necessarily, obviously. But I think Kevin Hogan is a guy that's a pretty cerebral, cerebral quarterback. Um, he's a little bit limited um, athletically, but he was really good at Stanford. He kind of had an up-and-down career, but his, but his last season was pretty good. Um, Dak Prescott is another one who I think is very similar to Kevin Hogan. There are some accuracy issues, but he, you know, was very experienced, played against top level competition, um, decently athletic as well. I think those are guys that you'd probably have to get in the fourth or fifth round, which I think for a team like the Dolphins, that would probably be smart to kind of take a guy then to, to see if Gates could ultimately develop down the road, um, so I think those two are not necessarily my favorites, but those two that just popped into my head. I think Brandon Allen out of Arkansas is a guy that's very accurate, um, good moving in the pocket. He does a lot of things really well, but he just does not have really that strong of an arm at all. Um, and I think that's going to hurt him in the NFL. He's another guy that probably could actually be picked a little bit later. Um, that I think those three are the smart quarterbacks that are, pretty advanced in terms of what they do in the pocket, how they go through their um, reads that I think Adam Gates would like to maybe get his hands on and they wouldn't have to use, you know, a, a, a top pick, you know, first, second, third, fourth round on them. All right. It's time for quick hits. This is my favorite part. And I think this, um, <laughs> Max, we, we have him on the show often and uh, I think he hates this, this segment, but uh, I love it. So um, I'm just going to go ahead and fire these things at you. You can go ahead and you can just give me uh, one word, two or three word answers. It doesn't have to be, it can be a sentence. It doesn't have to be much. All right. Uh, the most overrated prospect in this year's draft. I think it's Carson Wentz. Just oh. because we've seen him go up so much in the last months. And I think he's more of a sit and wait for a few years kind of player. He's not a, a, a top two that you trade up for a quarterback the most underrated prospect in this year's draft? Hmm. I think it's Trayvon Boykin um, out of TCU. He has some off-field issues, which that could obviously drop him. I don't really want to touch on those because I'm not totally sure. But when you watch him, he's a lot like Tyrod Taylor. He improved as a passer every year at TCU. Um, 
he's pretty accurate down the field and he can obviously move around. I think he's a quarterback that the team really likes mobility from a guy who can actually win in the pocket as well. I think he's a really good player. But give me a team that's in position to have a great overall draft next weekend. Huh. Well, obviously the first pop into mind would be the Browns and the Titans. They have six picks in the top 100. Um, so I guess I'll go with those two teams just because they have an abundance of picks. It's a pretty safe way to go. I don't blame you. Uh, give me a player who could be a surprise top 10 pick next Thursday. You kind of alluded to this already, but I'll ask the question anyway. Hmm. Surprise top 10. I would say Chris Jones out of Mississippi state. Um, just because he checks a lot of boxes that it seems like GMs like. He was one of the top recruits in the country a few years ago. He's still young. His last five or six games, he was really dominant. And you can really, you could play him at any defensive end spot or any defensive line spot in really any alignment. So I think if a coach thinks that they can tap into him kind of playing with a high motor all the time, they can get kind of a Muhammad Wilkerson kind of player. Chris, who's your favorite band? Favorite band? Um, not. I don't listen to them that much anymore. But Dave Matthews Band, I was pretty big on in high school and college. I've been to a bunch of concerts. I I just think he's all of his songs sound different. I know some people that don't like Dave would probably disagree with that, but I just think uh, he's been good and and well followed for about twenty years now. How old are you? I just turned twenty eight in March. Okay, I just turned 32 last week, so I'm starting to find that uh, I'm I'm older than most of the people we have on the show, which is a little bit depressing. <laughs> That's actually why I brought Ron on because he's older than me. So I didn't Thanks, I, I didn't want to be. You're welcome. <laughs> you get to be the elder statesman, which is kind of cool. Uh, your favorite first round pick from 2015. Favorite first round pick from last year to any team. Yeah. Oh, man, I'm trying to think. Let me – I really liked Vic Beasley going to the Falcons. Uh, I think they got one of the best edge rushers that we've seen in the last few drafts. Obviously, there's been guys like Khalil Mack that are that are a little better, but I think Vic Beasley has a um, really good chance to be a really good player. And honestly, and I swear I'm not just saying this, Devontae Parker falling to the Dolphins uh, – I thought that was an awesome pick, and I think we saw it toward the end of the season that when Parker was fully healed, he can be a dominant number one receiver. He was my top receiver last year. I think he and like Kevin White were pretty much neck and neck, but Parker was a, a little bit younger. I think he's got size. He can high point, and for me, if you can do those two things, uh, you're going to be a good receiver in the NFL, um, and I think he was the perfect guy to get for Ryan Tannehill, um, you know, along with Jarvis Landry kind of being that slot guy. Like, I just think they're the perfect complement um, out wide for the Dolphins. Chris, you're my favorite guest ever. Who's your favorite day two prospect? Day two. So we're talking second and third round. Um, I'm probably alone on this, or I'm, I'm pretty sure I am. Ricardo Lewis, um, the wide receiver out of Auburn. Uh, I think he's a – really good wide receiver prospect that is, that is really flying under the radar because he played at Auburn in that weird Gus Malzahn system where they're pretty much running a, a 
fly sweep or a read option on, on every play. And their quarterback play after Nick Marshall left last year was really bad. Um, he ran under 4'5". He's 6'2", 215, jumped like 38 inches. Um, he's a really good athlete. He can high point the football as well. He's got really good deep speed that really shows a lot. He's a player uh, that I think could go in the – I mean, I don't think he's necessarily going to go in the second or third round, but I have a second-round grade on him. Uh, I think he's someone that could could get drafted a little bit later but ultimately be a good number two wide receiver for a team. This is our last question. Who's the league's worst GM? Oh, this is easy. Ryan Grigson from the Colts. I don't think I was think hoping it's, to say that. But according to Jim Irsay, really he's close. outstanding. I think Jim Irsay got all fast a couple of months ago. I don't know what the deal is, but when you look at his track record, I mean, there are a few good picks in there. I mean, I'm not even going to mention Locke because that was just a super layup. Um, T.Y. Hilton, I guess. Um, but beyond that, especially on defense, uh, he's just really not been that good at, you know, in free agency or the draft. Um, there's been some bad trades that he's been involved in. Trent Richardson, the Bills got Jerry Hughes for Kelvin Shepard, which was just, I mean, just shocking when you think about it now. Um, so, yeah, I think Ryan Grigson is, is the GM that probably puts his team in a, in probably – the worst situation of any other team. And and I think Andrew Luck has done a lot to mask a lot of flaws on that team. All right. He's Chris Rapasso, NFL writer. For, uh, sorry. Can I ask a couple questions? Uh, we're actually, no, we got to move on to our next segment. So uh, uh, that's why, that's why you got to speak up when you get a chance. So um, I was actually just going to mention that uh, this is, yeah. This is uh, Chris Rapasso, NFL writer for CBS Sports, editor for NFL.com. Uh, Chris, where can people follow you on Twitter? Just my name, Chris Trapasso, C-H-R-I-S-T-R-A-P-A-S-S-O. All right. Uh, All right thank so you I'll very much. Questions from later. Okay. All right, Sounds thanks, good. <laughs> yeah, uh, thanks for stopping by the show, and uh, hopefully we can bring you on soon. Maybe we'll go ahead and do like a post-draft thing where you can you can just tell us your, your feelings on the overall you know, Dolphins class, maybe? Sure thing. All right, great. Thanks for stopping by. We'll talk to you again soon. All right, All right guys, thanks. All right. Okay, so um, up next, we'll talk with uh, Finsider Insider, Matthew Kanata. He's got the latest regarding Dolphins news and rumors. I think he's already on the phone. So um, we'll go ahead and talk to him in a moment. We'll be right back. All right. Uh, joining us now, uh, Finsider Insider. I, I love that name. I hate that name, too, but it, it fits. He's, uh, <laughs> he's the Adam Schefter of the Finsider, Matthew Kanata, all the way from sunny, warm, balmy Connecticut. What's going on? Hey, how you guys doing tonight? Uh, we're doing okay. Um, flying through is going to be a shorter show than usual. I appreciate you uh, taking time out to go ahead and give us a call. So, Eight days from the draft, what's going on? What are you hearing? Listen, um, this whole Josh Norman thing kind of shook things up today. So, you know, the NFL is in focus on that. Obviously, we saw the uh, the Rams trade up to the number one spot. Then we saw the Eagles trade up, which was brewing over the weekend. Uh, I heard from someone uh, within the NFL circles that that trade was brewing up. The rumors really started picking up steam yesterday because that's when, you know, more and more people picked up on it. And then finally it came today. So just based on that alone, you're looking at some players dropping down to the Dolphins. 
Uh, many people have mentioned Ezekiel Elliott possibly dropping to 13 now. That is still a good possibility. Um, but now you have Josh Norman being released. Um, just talk to somebody literally seconds ago before I jumped on this phone call. I, it was quiet on the Josh Norman end uh, all afternoon and, you know, just a reaction and everything, trying to get everything together. But literally seconds while we were on the break, actually, I got a text from somebody. The 49ers are the favorites right now to land Josh Norman, unfortunately. Uh, they have a ton of cap room. Josh Norman likes the West Coast. The 49ers uh, like the fit that they have with Josh Norman. Uh, this source thinks that it will be too much for the Dolphins. He's thinking five years, $85 million, uh, with at least $45 million guaranteed. It's a lot of money. Uh, for that's a Olivier Vernon money. Yeah, that, that, that's, <laughs> that's a ton. I mean, a 29-year-old, I mean, if you were following my tweets this afternoon when the news got released, I was all over it to bring Josh Norman and the Dolphins were prepared to go all in on Truman Johnson. They were already spent 14 to 16 million per year on him, but he's a little younger than Josh Norman in terms of how much success he's had over the years. Josh Norman had one good year in Carolina. Some are crediting the scheme for that. And again, like I mentioned, he's 29 years old. Do I want the Dolphins to sign him? Absolutely. He would, he would help a lot. He would let the Dolphins do the best player available in the upcoming draft. But if that's enough numbers that are being thrown around right now, and that's a little rich for the Dolphins and even a little rich for me to even think about. Moving is, into the draft, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, that's considerable considerable coin coming out of nowhere. So, I mean, I yeah. get it. I mean, one, and it's, one, one, one good year, you know, one good year. It's tough to really pay that kind of money. I mean, look at – I mean, you look at Brock Os- Osweiler, who hasn't had many starts, but quarterback's a whole different beast. I mean, cornerback, you know, pretty important, but that kind of money, that's hard for me to swallow. Yeah, and look what Norris Jenkins got on the open market. So Josh Norman's going yeah, to Josh uh, Norman's going to get yeah. paid, man. And that's one of the reasons why the Dolphins wanted to get Trumaine Johnson. Of course, he never made it out of Los Angeles because he uh, had the tag placed on him. But the Dolphins knew right after Trumaine Johnson, uh, the cornerback market had a sharp dive, and they were not prepared to spend – you know, considerable money on someone like Janoris Jenkins, someone like uh, Pac-Man Jones and uh, others that were out there. Um, They had their value set on them, and they knew if they could not land Trumaine, that the market was going to be a little bit crazy for the other cornerbacks right below him, and they just weren't prepared to spend that kind of money on the other guy. Now, going into the draft, you know, you look at Vernon Hargraves, the third. Um, you look at someone like William Jackson. I talked to somebody this past week, and I know this stuff is always controversial, and I shy away from reporting it unless I really know for sure. But I'm pretty confident in this. Uh, there was some report last week. It's only been reported by one person, but still raises your eyebrows a little bit that says one prominent SEC cornerback uh, failed the drug test at the NFL Combine, who was projected to go in the first round. You look at the first-round cornerbacks, the only SEC cornerback there is uh, Vernon uh, Hargraves. So you put you put the pieces together. So I did a little investigation on it and talked to somebody who knew uh, Hargraves' friends at the University of Florida. Now, nothing's been confirmed as far as the failed drug test goes, but what they told us is that, yes, this could be a very good possibility because Hargraves has been seen on campus very recently within the past few weeks smoking with his friends and whatnot. Now, when I tweeted that the other day, uh, I received a direct message from somebody who was good friends with a family member of Hargraves. 
Um, so take this with a grain of salt, but obviously <laughs> that family that family member um, vehemently to deny these reports. They very strongly denied the fact that he smoked and, and whatnot. But again, it's the family member. What else are they going to say? They're not going to sit there deny those reports. Yeah, so, they're affected by that too, you know. Right, absolutely. So, you know, you have to really kind of look at what you have there. But, you know, this person said that there's no issues with him. He's met him a few times. There's, he's a great character, no concerns. But I'm pretty confident. I was one of the first ones with the Dion Jordan news and him being in the suspension program. And I know I was blasted on that for several months. And then a few months later, the news came out and I was um, validated by it. And, you know, this is kind of the same thing. I'm not going to report something like that unless I'm pretty confident in my sources on that. But the Dolphins still may draft him. Um, they also may prefer William Jackson over BH3. And right now I think it's kind of neck-to-neck on that. We kind of have to see how the board shakes out. I do know they're very high in Ezekiel Elliott, and if he falls then he might be the pick there. Um, one other interesting thing, and then I tweeted – uh, I think it was yesterday that the Dolphins want to move some players around. One name is Jelani Jenkins, who they are looking to move and trade. Uh, so if that comes to fruition, fruition during the draft, you could possibly see Jenkins being moved off the Dolphins within the next that week or so. Really, that tells me they really like Neville Hewitt. They they do. They are very high on Hewitt, um, and I've, I've been saying that for the past we said that a few months ago that they think that he can really challenge for a starting spot. Um, they're high on Hewitt. They got Alonzo in there. They really think Alonzo could make a comeback and recover pretty well. They're not thrilled about Jenkins. You know, he struggled to stay on the field last year and they're worried about his speed and whatnot. Another thing with the linebacker situation, they love Miles Jack. Um, they absolutely love Miles Jack. They don't think there's any issues with his knees long term. They think that their program and their training program and nutrition program will help them get us through his injuries. And do not be surprised for the Dolphins. We won't we won't probably ever know if they do, but don't be surprised if you see Miles Jack start falling past the Chargers at three, past the Jaguars at five. The Dolphins pick up the phone and start inquiring about what it might take to move up to grab him because they are very much impressed with Miles Jack and would very much like him on their team. Wow. Man. And if I'm if I'm in Chicago for that and and they trade up, then I'm just going to go ahead and take a bunch of videos of people <laughs> losing their minds. Yeah, I mean Miles Jack has a lot of people to fall fall past. Um, the Chargers I know haven't been reported a lot of interest in him, but the Chargers are interested in him uh, at number three if they stay in that spot. The Jaguars of course are interested at number five, and then you might see some others pop up. Uh, you know that that could grab him before the Dolphins select at thirteen. But there's been a lot of smoke around Miles Jack with his knee over the past week. Some of it, as you guys probably know just from experience, is deliberately put out by teams who want these players. They want to see them drop down the draft board, so they'll put out false information to purposely hurt the player. And while it's not in the best interest of the player for that news to come out, it is in the best interest of the team that may want him in the middle of the first round. And the Dolphins, by the way, are one of the teams that are putting out false information about Miles Jack for what it's worth. <laughs> of course. Of course they are. Uh, yeah, the Dolphins are telling people in leaked circles and are telling uh, leaking reports that they are very concerned with Miles Jack's uh, knee, but in reality they have zero concern with it at all. Hey, the, the the rumors worked with Dan Marino, so I say go for it. <laughs> yeah, right? 
yeah. Just make it work with Jalen. If they make it work with Jalen Ramsey, then we'll be all set. They were like, oh man, we really like Miles Jack. It's just a real shame about his cocaine problem or something like that, <laughs> well, you know. Then all the yeah, punch. right. Well, yeah, that's even the same with Vernon Hargrave. You know, that's the thing. You know, that's the first thing that popped in my mind. Then I get a text from somebody who has very good connections with the NFL and inside the NFL league circles, and he's telling me, hey, this report can be justified. Um, and then I'm like, whoa, so it's really not a smoke screen, you know? I mean, there's no proof that he did fail a drug test. Only those within the NFL and teams know mm-hmm. for sure about that. But the fact is that it can be justified if he did in fact. Oh, my. All right. Anything else you got for us before we go ahead and wind this up for tonight? Um, no. You know, I'll be talking to an agent this week that I have a good relationship with. He represents a lot of guys in the later rounds of the draft. You know, nothing really in the top of the draft that I'll be able to find out for sure. Um, I don't think the Dolphins are going to you really look at defensive tackle in the early rounds of the draft. That's the information I got from one of my guys over the past few days. I would be shocked if Ezekiel Elliott's off the board if the Dolphins do not pick a cornerback with the 13th pick, especially if William Jackson and Vernon Hargraves are still there. I know a lot of people are high on Reggie Ragland, but I'm not so sure the Dolphins are high on him as well. Um, it's hard to pick a linebacker that early in the draft if you're not, you know, a huge impact player from day one. And while Ragland is a good player, people are not sure if he's that big impact player that many hope or want him to be. But, you know, it's a week to go before the draft. The Chargers are going to look at trading out of that top spot. Trump fell the top player on the board after the two quarterbacks. The Chargers are in a messy situation. If they do pick up, they're paying a lot of good money to their two bookends right now. So they may trade out of that position. We'll have to see how things shake out. But be aware, you know, it won't happen leading up to the draft, but Jelani Jenkins is a possibility to be moved as well as bringing Albert. Uh, if the right offer and situation and scenario comes along where they can replace him with a left tackle. Good stuff. Uh, Matthew Kanata, Finsider Insider, thanks for uh, stopping by. Um, we're going to do no our problem. sort of like our pre-draft uh, gonzo blowout next Wednesday. I, um, I imagine that, I mean, that's going to probably be a big day for you. So, um, yeah, I don't know if you want to go ahead and give us a call. During that yeah, program, and you guys, go I'm ahead sure and... I'll have some more. Infor- yeah, I'm sure I'll have some more information leading up to that. I know the scouts come back. The scouts for the Dolphins have a whole week off this week. They'll be back on Monday morning. They'll be working straight through to Thursday morning. Information has been kind of tight coming out of Davies, so I've been relying on, you know, some middleman and secondhand sources. But nonetheless, I'm still getting some information. I'll have a lot more on Monday for you guys. I look forward to it. I don't care if you're talking to the janitor. I just want rumors <laughs> and news, man. <laughs> right. But- it doesn't matter I to me. But... I can. Yeah, you do a good job. Uh, where can people follow you on Twitter? They can follow me at Fins Insider, F-I-N-S-I-N-S-I-D-E-R. And he's a great follow, too. Matthew Kanata, thanks for stopping by. We'll talk to you later this week, and we'll bring you on next week, too. All right, guys. Have a great night. You, too. All right. Take care. He's a great follow, definitely. If you guys don't follow him, make sure you do. Um, kind of a whirlwind night. I actually regret that we couldn't do more of a panel thing with, uh, Chris, just cause we had to try to fit so much into, you know, uh, 10 pounds of potatoes into a five pound bag or whatever cliche you want. Ron, what'd you think for your first go around though? Not too bad. No, it was, uh, definitely a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to uh, next week as well. And just, <clears throat> like I said before, I don't get hugely caught up in just the draft and, 
analyzing a million players that won't actually be Dolphins. But when it starts getting this close, I get pretty excited. Yeah, we're nerdy about that kind of thing. You want to you wanna take one call before we go? That sounds good. All right, I think we're going to South Florida on this one. Uh, caller, what's up? Hello. Hello. Hi. I just wanted to know, how do you guys feel about this Josh Richard, Josh Norman interest from the Dolphins? Well, I mean, it certainly makes sense. I mean, we were just talking about that a little while ago. Um, when you have the sort of hole that the Dolphins have at the number one corner position, I mean, and Josh Norman all of a sudden just falls from the sky and is available as a free agent, then, yeah, I mean, you have to seriously mine that one for all it's worth. I think he's going to end up getting just insanity money from someone. I mean, um, our insider just told us that the 49ers are probably the in the lead to get him. The contract's expected to be, I think he mentioned somewhere in the, the $85 million range, which is Olivier Vernon money. Now, Josh Norman, much more of an impact player than Olivier Vernon in your in terms of what you're talking about with for bang for the buck at their position. But I mean that's serious coin. And we just got done with the conversation uh the past six weeks that this this team doesn't really want to spend that much in free agency. So it's a slippery slope, it's interesting. Um I I was going to be seriously shocked if the Dolphins did land Josh Norman, but I mean you can never say never. I mean it, Maybe they're just waiting for the right guy and then they throw money around. I don't know. But, I mean, it's interesting. We'll see what happens. I'll be shocked if it is Miami, but I guess it would be kind of a, a cool surprise too, no? Yeah, I'd say it will be a surprise too because there's been free agents out there, cornerbacks, and the Dolphins hasn't gone after them, which I'm shocked. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're going to – it's going to be such an interesting, confusing, smokescreen-filled couple of days here leading up to the draft that I don't know. Like if you're if you're into social media and you're on it all the time, like we are, your I mean, your head might explode just with all the stuff that's going to come through. Especially all the trades. We don't know that Miami's done trading. You know, I mean, clearly the Philadelphia had a, an agenda when they traded up to number eight. Maybe the Dolphins have an agenda trading down to number thirteen. Um, I don't know. There's going to be a lot of fireworks, though. It's going to be an exciting uh, couple of days next weekend. I'm looking forward to it. So um, thank you very much uh, for your call. Um, hope Hopefully we can go ahead and bring you on the air again soon. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Hey, hey Keith, if you don't mind, can I mention just a couple really quick things? Oh, yeah, for sure. Go for it. Uh, okay, because I know we're, we're trying to wrap up here really quick. Just kind of let you know, I've been I've been involved in uh, quite a few little mock drafts recently with uh, the Next Fan Up podcast, That's and right. um, and uh, it is it's included some trades, and I've been involved in a couple first round trades. And where I've been involved in is, I usually take the best guy I got coming to me right, and we've done two now, right, right at thirteen. But then I've been each time able to bounce back into the first round towards the end, once with Seattle, once with Pittsburgh and draft uh, the first time was William Jackson, the third. So I got Conklin at 13 and then William Jackson, the third at 26, I believe. Then the second time I got Lawson at 13 and I jumped back up and got Alexander at like 25, I think it was. So I've been using this value chart. And, and the reason I want to bring this up was with if Miami's looking to trade up into, and this is like the Jimmy Johnson value chart that was created that he did years ago in the early nineties. Sure. The Dolphins are looking to trade up, say, at five or six 
um, to maybe get Miles Jack because he's dropping, and <clears throat> like Matthew said, they're very interested in him. It's going to cost them their second round pick. Their first, obviously, but you're swapping first, so you still get a first. I don't see that as a loss. It's right. going to cost them their second round pick and probably like their fifth. That's probably, mm. if you want to go up to five, six, somewhere in there, it's probably, if you based off this chart, assuming no players involved, like we've heard Jelani Jenkins, he just, Matthew mentioned something like that. Assuming it's just picks for picks this year, that's probably what they'd be looking to have to give up in order to do that, just for anybody that was interested. I think we're going to talk more about that next week, too. I think uh, we're going to have, I mentioned, we'll do a thing where we'll have a, we'll have a mock draft. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. And then we'll go ahead and um, we'll bring on. I love doing that. It will never get old. Gotta gotta get that drop. Record. Put that drop in there, and just you can just push the button. Nobody does it better than uh, Bill O'Reilly does it. No, but I also don't. I mean, I feel like that's your thing. I don't want to steal that. I mean, if you want to push the button, but I mean, like that's. I feel like that's a Ron signature at this point. Um, That's okay. You you can have it. It it makes it makes it fun. I'm fine with it. (laughs) SB Nation will purchase the trademark from you. So, okay. it sounds uh, good. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, the, the corporate, uh, the, the legal uh, paperwork's on the way. So um, we'll go ahead. We'll do the, we'll do the mock draft. I think we're bringing on a lot of uh, AFC East guys next week. It's kind of just, it might be chaos. I don't know. Uh, I make the, the, we'll do it live joke, but it's pretty much going to be like that. It's us on, you know, live on a wire without a net. We'll see. It could be great. We might sound like complete idiots. Maybe I'll, it's probably just me who will sound like a complete idiot. More often than not, uh, I've got guys around me who, who make me look good. Um, now I've got Ron and uh, Lewis with us. Those are uh, my guys on this show. Uh, I want to thank them for joining me tonight. This is our this is our crew going forward. And I think Max is a correspondent with us too. So I want to thank everyone who gave us a call. You mind if uh, I um, throw out my uh, Twitter handle real quick? Two seconds. I was actually just gonna. I was actually just gonna ask you that. Go for it. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry about that. So if those who want to follow me on Twitter, which I'm extremely active, always tweeting about the Dolphins and once in a while randomly about something else, it's at Finns Broadcaster. And if that's confusing, those who have followed me before, I have recently changed my uh, username. Uh, so at Finns, F, F is in Frank, F-I-N-S Broadcaster is now my uh, uh, Twitter handle. If you've been following me on the other, you still are. You just didn't realize I changed it. Lewis, where can people find you on Twitter? I am at FL Sport Debater. Yeah, it's a great, both guys, great follows. I highly recommend you follow them on Twitter. Uh, a lot of, um, you know, abundant tweeting. It's always interesting. You guys are, are great when it comes to, to news, uh, talking. You guys know football, so it's a lot of fun to sit there and uh, see what you have to um, to post, to tweet. So I want to thank everyone who gave us a call tonight, uh, Chris Trapasso. CBS Sports NFL writer, uh, Matthew Kanata, as usual, did his uh, Adam Schefter thing with us, and I'm very grateful for that. Uh, Join us next Wednesday. We'll do our Draft Eve show. It'll be something. Until then, uh, my name is Keith. Uh, Thank you for tuning in to Finsider Radio, and we'll talk to you next Wednesday. Good night. Hello. You are listening to Simone de Rochefort, one of the hosts of The Polygon Show. It's a show all about the video games that you'll never have time to play. Brought to you by four friends who are just as passionate about food, soft drinks, and TV shows as we are about video games. Every Friday, we bring you a new hour of personal stories. Like how we found the best way to play Yakuza 0. 
or even what happens when you play so much Zelda that you hurt your hands and can't play games anymore. Above all, we just have a really good time talking about the games that we love. Check out the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. You can also find us at Polygon Show on Twitter and send a tweet to say hi. Thanks for listening.